Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. And during the commercials, I was just reading this piece in the New York Times, The One Privilege Liberals Ignore, written by a liberal that I thought was fascinating. I'm hoping this opens the can of uh, this discussion going forth. I was actually going to make that part of this segment if we can squeeze it in, but we can figure that out in a minute. Um, Yeah, it is uh, absolutely frank and incredibly important. I have not seen it picked up. Uh, repeated, echoed anywhere yet, but it is the giant elephant in the room in terms of haves and have-nots in America that nobody on the left wants to talk about. Stay right. tuned for that. Um, this is uh, this is uh, amazing and horrifying to me. A couple of pieces of evidence. Um, the the Free Beacon doing a nice job setting up the topic with their story from court packing to climate change. Teachers unions push progressive priorities as test scores plummet. Uh, that's kind of the whole story there in the headline. But they mentioned that during the July National Conference, the National Education Association, there are two. You got the uh, American Federation of Teachers and the National and the NEA. OK, between the two of them, they're the two super giants. They collect about $3 billion in dues. Can you imagine having $3 billion to play with, to lobby, to bribe, uh, to, to buy media, that sort of thing? Um, <clears throat> but during its July National Conference, the NEA unveiled a slew of new business items, which included calls for President Biden to expand the Supreme Court to restore American democracy. That's a quote from the teachers union. Huh? And extend asylum to all illegal immigrants. Uh, what now? Weeks later, the other 800-pound uh, gorilla, the American Federation of Teachers, held its own summer gathering, which saw union leaders attend training sessions centered on, quote, integrating climate change into your teaching and uh. affirming LGBTQIA plus identities in and out of the classroom. 
NEA President Becky Pringle, meanwhile, used her conference keynote speech to, quote, call out every politician and every pundit who refuses to address gun violence and argue that America is structurally inequitable. Can you just teach reading, writing, arithmetic? Well, wouldn't that be lovely as the National Association of Educational Progress Report, which just came out, showed abysmal student achievement scores. Proficiency in history for eighth graders fell to an all-time low. With the availability of technology, the improvements in, you know, information, nutrition, you know, how can we be at an all-time low? Well, and I don't, I don't know the answer and to per this. per student funding is at an all-time high. I don't know the answer to this, but a lot of our tests we've dumbed down over the years. So is it possible we're at an all-time low with lowered standards? Yes. Yes. Uh, That's troubling. You haven't begun to be troubled. troubled. There I can't speak English, for instance. (laughs) Because of our schools. (laughs) Because of our damn schools. Uh, Let's see. Reading and math scores for 13-year-olds fell to levels not seen in decades. Still, in the build-up to the 2023 school year, NEA and AFT leaders spent much of their time discussing how to insert liberal priorities into classrooms. And we spend more money per student than we ever have before. How did? How do you? Ah, the fact that we spend more and get less results, and and that it just slips by people. Nobody cares. Drives me nuts. So the big two teachers unions made it their top priorities to get more so quote unquote queer issues and climate change into the classroom, while test scores are at an all time low. How do you deal with that as a progressive? Well, if you're the unforgivable Kate Brown of Oregon. You do this. For the next five years, an Oregon high school diploma will be no guarantee that the student who earned it can read, write, or do math anywhere near a high school level. Now, this is so interesting. I once had a uh, a good friend of mine. She's actually my girlfriend at the time. Um, telling me about something that Gladys, happened in her family. Did you quit? She's quiet quitting. Gladys th- says it's minimal Monday, and she's quiet quitting. So she, we start into a story from our uh, past, and she doesn't even play the harp anymore. Another one of Joe's stupid remembrances. Not today, she's thinking. Wow, wow. Of course, she's a teamster, so that we can't do much about it. <laughs> she's in the Teamsters Harp Union. <laughs> Anyway, uh, uh, this young lady said something uh, about something that had happened in her family and, and said, well, they weren't very proud of it, you could tell, because they were doing it with the lights out. And uh-huh. I thought, wow, that's a pretty interesting way to put it, and it stuck with me. Uh, anyway, uh, please do note, as this story unfolds, how much of it was done with the lights out. So Kate Brown had... Brown, you're doing a heck of a job. <laughs> wow. Where did you get that, Michael? That's what I was grabbing. Seriously? Yeah. That's why Gladys wasn't available. Wow. Wow. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Kate, Sorry, Gladys. I didn't mean to yell. Governor Kate Brown uh, refused to answer earlier this summer regarding whether she supported the plan passed by the Oregon legislature to drop the, practically all requirements for graduation that students demonstrate they have achieved those skills. She wouldn't answer whether she was going to sign it. But on July 14th, sure enough, she signed Senate Bill 744 into law. 
You're thinking, Joe, that was like a month ago. Where have you guys been? Well, <clears throat> through a spokesperson, the governor declined again Friday to comment on the law and why she had supported suspending the proficiency requirements. Her decision was not made public until recently because her office did not hold a signing ceremony or even issue a press release. And the fact that the governor signed the bill was not entered into the legislative database until a couple of days. Well, no, I guess it was uh, the very, very end of July which is a departure from the normal practice in Oregon of updating the public database the same day a bill is signed. You sign the bill, you update the database. Well, no, they held off for weeks on it. What's especially notable about this is this is from uh, the Oregonian slash Oregon Live, which is a dyed-in-the-wood liberal media outlet, which covers all things Oregon Portland. But the Oregonian uh, asked the governor's office when Brown's staff notified the legislature that she had signed the bill. And they said, well, the same day. Uh, also, that, uh, but then they hadn't put it up for the public to hear about. Now, this Charles Boyle, the governor's deputy communications director, uh, said in an email statement that suspending the reading, writing, and math proficiency requirements, all of them, folks, all of them. Just no, not, not lowering them, suspending them. There just aren't any standards. Right. Wow. Right. Yeah, they have no standards. They're doing that while the state develops new graduation standards that will benefit Oregon's black, Latino, Latina, Latinx, indigenous, Asian, Pacific Islander, tribal, and students of color. You know what's great about that statement is the problem is in the statement. Yes. That's fantastic. Yeah. Quote, the reason leaders- you have to do this is in your statement. The fact that you just listed all those things is why... We have a problem. In large measure, yeah. The, to finish the quote, leaders from those communities have advocated time and again for equitable graduation standards, along with expanded learning opportunities and supports. Now, I'm staunchly in favor of expanded learning opportunities and supports, but equitable grading standards means everybody gets the same grade no matter what they do. Equity is another word for socialism, whether economic or in grades or whatever. Um, this is so incredibly insidious. We feel enlightened by requiring nothing of students of color and giving them diplomas, though they've learned very little. That makes us good people. Can you imagine a more perverse way of seeing the world? Man, that's so troubling. Yeah. <sighs> Glenn Beck has become a gazillionaire doing a show where he talks about it. it's all over. It's all gone to hell every day. I, I, I've always wanted to try to, like, you know, not do that every day because it seems depressing. Uh, but man, this story makes me think it's actually all going to hell. We are a, a, a culture in such steep decline. Moving down. Well, here's my, my heartening response to that is much like as we were discussing last hour, Americans by 70 to 26 think it's absurd that biological males would compete against girls in sports. 70 to 26 folks were winning this argument, but you would think it was the opposite given the perception you get through the media uh, and through activists. Well, I would argue that the uh, that the numbers on this sort of thing are probably very, very similar. So the society is going to hell if we don't fight back against it, dig in our heels and say, we're not letting this happen. We won't let the activists and the lunatics have the day. We can't. It's too damaging. 
Which brings us to uh, the Nicholas Kristof piece in the New York Times, and he's a, he's a dyed-in-the-wool uh, liberal type, but he is extremely honest on a very, very touchy topic, and that is, and, and we'll give it its, its full due in a segment or two, but the idea that you're going to repair racial inequalities, uh, you know, the, the achievement gaps, grade gaps, etc., at the gates of Harvard, or Princeton, or Yale, or Penn, or whatever, and you're just going to artificially shove more black kids into Penn, for instance, and that will solve the problem, as opposed to addressing the socio-cultural family issues that have led us to these stark you know, achievement gaps. It's, it's suicidal. It's worse than doing nothing. It's condemning millions of kids to a similar hopeless fate. But Kristoff is calling it like he sees it, and that's quite an act of courage on the left. And again, we'll get to that in a bit. Yeah, I do want to get into the some of the stats on that. This stuff around the schools lowering the standards, though. So we've we've read about and talked about this at every level. So grade schools and then high schools. And you graduate high school with a lower proficiency in everything than you ever have before, and then you go to college. If you go to college. College kids learn less than they ever learned before, spend less time in class, less time studying. I mean, that's just a uh, uh, that is that is a culture that's going to be overtaken by a culture that is serious about achievement. Yeah, uh, education has become purely consumer good. And it reminds me of like, uh, you know, if I tried to put on 34 inch pants from 1978, I couldn't get them over my butt. But there are plenty of stores that'll sell me quote unquote 34s that fit just fine. Doesn't that strike you as odd? 34 inches hasn't changed. No. And ed- education's similar. Hey, the customer wants a college degree for learning nothing. They're paying us a lot of money. Give them the freaking degree. Yeah, ah, dang it. If you have any thoughts on this, our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Much on the way. Armstrong and Getty. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, from this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
The Armstrong and Getty Show. We're seeing now people getting off this plane and the arrival of three Americans, five total who are on this plane, arriving in Doha just left iran this morning they are now free all right somehow iran strong-armed us into uh giving them back bad guys so we get back american citizens who weren't doing anything plus they get six billion dollars in time for the big u.n meeting we'll have more on that probably tomorrow and this week and probably in, in a couple of years from now when they announce they've got or maybe a couple months from now when they announce they've got a bomb that we paid for fantastic um, there's a missing F-35 fighter jet. Have you been following this story? Uh, yeah, I've seen the headlines. So the pilot ejected, but we can't find this $100 million plane. This is like the grooviest, coolest plane on Earth that we have, thank God. An F-35 fighter jet that has gone missing after its pilot was ejected could still be flying in a zombie state, having been left on autopilot after the pilot ejected last night. They're asking for help from the public in order to locate the $100 million aircraft, which was flying over South Carolina when the Marine pilot made his swift exit. It's now feared the jet could still be flying as there's no evidence that it has crashed as of yet, and the pilot set it on automated flight before ejecting. Plus, it's got all kinds of, like, you know, super fancy radar-avoiding stuff and everything like that, so who knows where it is. We don't have, like, uh, radar that says... I mean, because we know where we saw it last, as the old <laughs> looking for something uh, wisdom goes. Uh, I don't get that. We don't have any sort of record of the radar. Uh, Katie says we should have put one of those Apple tags in it. <laughs> yeah, you got to put an Apple tag in all the planes, obviously. Yeah, yeah, just to open up your phone and use the Find My F-35 app. The F-35 is a stealth plane, meaning it is more difficult to detect than regular ah. aircraft. In addition, the plane's transponder isn't working for some unknown reason, but it's designed to be really hard to see. That's the one of the main points of the dang thing. But this is actually what they're saying. If you have any information that may help us find the F-35, please call the Base Defense and De- Defensement Operations Center at 843-963-3600. Have you seen this dog or this F-35? This $100 million plane? Well, everybody, everybody on the East Coast, uh, go outside and look up. We'll wait. Go ahead. I hope it doesn't land somewhere where the Chinese can get a hold of it and figure out all our technology, for instance. Yeah. Oh, speaking of which, you know, with the New York Times, when it's not terrible, is great. Like their international reporting, their their like their stuff on China has been really good lately. I think, um, and they were they did a, one of those super long Sunday stories about uh, the battle between Chinese and American uh, intelligence services. And their priorities and their techniques and stuff, really good. We'll post a link at uh, armstrongandgetty.com. I've got it around here somewhere. Um, But China is incredibly active in the United States. They are recruiting people as fast as they can. They are sending students and scientists and and whomever else they can think of. And uh, and it's so annoying. The New York Times has to uh, throw in... Now, critics are afraid that racism and blah, blah, blah will result in blah, blah, blah. Has there ever been a time in history when it's known that one culture, one country is sending its hostile agents into another country's landmass 
And that country reacts by saying, now let's not be mean to uh, to the Persians. I know they're trying to invade Carthage, but we don't want to have some sort of anti-Persian backlash. Right, yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll squeeze that in hour four. I don't know, it's, <laughs> but it's super interesting. <laughs> that's fantastic. Uh, uh, another interview question from Meet the Press yesterday with Donald Trump. Ask if he's worried about going to prison. How he answered that, we'll get to that. But there's a, a backlash, I guess, among the left. You never know how big these backlashes are, though. Uh, boycotting at Meet the Press for, for for interviewing Donald Trump and giving him a platform. So uh, He's a candidate for president, you morons. Right. I love this headline. The one privilege liberals ignore. Prominently placed editorial in the New York Times, speaking of the Times, telling the truth. Nobody's more shocked than me. From a liberal, and he's absolutely right, and it might be the least discussed thing we can all see with our own eyes in America. Of the greatest significance, too. That's on the way. If you miss an hour, get the podcast. Just subscribe to Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong and Getty. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Hey, my We expect that in a racist part of the country like, I don't know, what would be a good town to name? I I don't know. (laughs) Racistville. No, uh, uh, stereotypically racist. Uh, That's the racists in, I don't know, someplace in Kansas that doesn't like illegals. No, that's that's, uh, AOC's district. Send them back. Send them back because it turns out nobody likes a whole bunch of people to just show up. Demanding services where they live. Nobody. My headline might be head-on collision between progressive policies and reality. Several yeah. injured. We'll play more of that and get into that topic more in hour four. 
So I absolutely salute Nicholas Kristof of the New York Times for writing the piece that he wrote, and I'm glad the New York Times uh, printed it. I'm also somewhat surprised. Uh, speaking of the collision between reality and, uh, and, in particular, progressive policies. Long overdue collision. Oh, good Lord, yeah. Um, that's the one aspect of conservatism I, I will claim to my dying day, is that we must understand reality and as we talk about policy we cannot let passion trump reality our hopes trump reality we've got to be grounded in reality and i appreciate this dose of reality um christoph's headline as we mentioned earlier is the one privilege liberals ignore um and then he he talks about american liberals have led the campaign to reduce child poverty since fdr proud proud legacy etc but we've long had a blind spot and I, he gets right into it. I love this. We are often reluctant to acknowledge one of the significant drivers of child poverty, the widespread breakdown of family, for fear that to do so would be patronizing or racist. Wait a minute. If you use reality to make a racist point, well, then you're a racist. But to say that stating reality is itself patronizing a racist is a stark line between what I was talking about. You must always acknowledge reality or you cannot possibly be effective. And and him admitting that we really don't like to. That, that to me is pathetic, but that's just the way my brain works. Anyway. I'd say it's it's definitely that stuff, as I mentioned last week, though. It's also culturally, for whatever reason, culturally, we decided it's not something you'd want to point out to anybody, that uh, single-parent households are not going to be as effective as dual-parent households. Just pointing that out is hurtful, I guess, or judgmental or something, but nobody does. Nobody yeah. does. And we'll get into that a little bit more, but I'm uh, I'm reminded of Thomas Sowell's uh, brilliant statement toward the end of the 20th century that most of the history of the last 50 years has been getting rid of what works in favor of what sounds good. Um, anyway, uh, so they feared to, to acknowledge the breakdown of the family is a huge factor, would be patronizing a racist. It's an issue largely for working class whites, blacks, and Hispanics, albeit most prevalently among African Americans. But just as you can't have a serious conversation about poverty without discussing race, you also can't engage unless you consider single parent households. After all, families headed by single mothers are five times as likely to live in poverty as married couple families. Children in single-mother homes are less likely to graduate from high school or earn a college degree. He doesn't say how much less likely, which bothers me. They are more likely to become single parents themselves, perpetuating the cycle. Um, Also, they're much, much more likely to end up in prison. Almost 30% of American children now live with a single parent or with no parent at all. One reason for the sensitivities is large racial disparities. Single parenting is less common in white and Asian households, but only 38% of black children live with married parents, not even 40%. Melissa Kearney is an economist at the University of Maryland. Um... In an important book on this topic to be published next week, she says, quote, the data presents some uncomfortable realities. Again, God, realities are realities. Whether they're uncomfortable or not cannot affect your, your reckoning with them. Yeah. But I guess you have to couch it like this in the New York Times. 
Yeah, yeah, that that word should be outlawed from being uh, put as a, de- a descriptor to reality. Reality's reality. What do you mean, uncomfortable? What? Well, and, and, and folks, I don't care how old you are right now. Uh, you know, Jack and I got a little uh, gray hair happening. We're older than we used to be, and I'm dealing with some physical stuff. All reality is uncomfortable, except for, you know, a couple of <laughs> moments of, of pleasure and or ecstasy that come once a week or once a month, if you're lucky. <laughs> All of reality is uncomfortable. Oh anyway. God. Yeah. Anyway, the data presents some uncomfortable realities, writes Ms. Kearney. Two-parent families are beneficial for children. Places that have more two-parent families have higher rates of upward mobility. Not talking about these facts is counterproductive. We liberals, writes Christoph, often perceive the world through prisms of privilege, but we rarely discuss one of the most important privileges of all, and it's the title of Kearney's book, The Two-Parent Privilege. And then he says, let me interrupt this column with a shower of caveats that everybody's working hard and doing their best and many children raised in part by single moms do extraordinarily well, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yet this is still so wrenching to discuss. Then he goes back to 1965, something I have quoted many times, when Daniel Patrick Moynihan wrote a prescient report about the decline of marriage among African Americans. Moynihan, who himself had been raised mostly in poverty by a single mother, warned that family breakdown would exacerbate social problems, but he was denounced by liberals for racism and victim baiting. Which is victim blaming, I'm sorry, which is extraordinary because he was the one of the lions of the left at the time. Scholars ran for cover. It helped greatly that the eminent African-American sociologist William Julius Wilson of Harvard later conducted research in this area and praised Moynihan's work as prophetic. But even today, there is a deep discomfort. There we are again with that word in liberal circles about acknowledging these realities. So the problem was identified 60 years ago. And we're still just kind of trying to get around to recognizing what is obviously true. And speaking of Sowell, uh, another one of his great quotes is, there are some ideas so stupid, terrible, bad, I can't remember precisely what he said, that only an intellectual could hold them. Well, here are some examples. A scholarly organization in the field published a call in 21 to, quote, dismantle family privilege such as championing championing two-parent families, which it was warned was embedded in white supremacist society. Oh. Oh, my God. So here you have intellectuals saying, we've got to do everything we can to tear down the family because that's a white thing. And while 91% of college-educated conservatives agree that children are better off if they have married parents, only 30% of college-educated liberals agree, according to a report to be released next week by the Institute for Family Studies. Now, given the fact, the reality, that the numbers on achievement, incarceration, uh, financial health, everything, 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 states without contradiction that the kids are better off in two-parent families, how can only 30% of college-educated liberals agree with that? That's astonishing. Because they have a uh, career-focused postgraduate friend who had a baby without a dad, and they don't want to hurt their feelings. 
Wow, that's a pretty good explanation. That's some of it. Plus, they've been taught over and over again that if you are to assign any of the responsibility for a poor outcome to the people experiencing that poor outcome, that's blaming the victim, quote unquote, which may be one of the most insidious phrases ever devised in the English language. I mean, I can't even imagine all the times I've screwed up in my life when instead of feeling a repercussion or having my parents say, you know, I'm ashamed of what you did. You brought embarrassment to the family or whatever. Instead of that, they said, well, we can't blame the victim because Joe's in trouble, so he's the victim here. Can you imagine how my life would have turned out differently? One or two more points. One stunning and depressing gauge of racial inequality in the United States. Well, he says inequity. I will not use the term equity. The study found that 62% of white children live in low poverty areas with fathers present in most homes, while only 4% of black children do. The collapse of marriage has happened mostly among less educated Americans, including those who are white, black, or Hispanic, while many college graduates, this is the principle we've been talking about of luxury beliefs where you espouse a view of the world as an educated, wealthy person, but you don't live those beliefs. You let the poor people do that, and it ruins their lives. While many college graduates, in theory, embrace all kinds of family relationships, they remain traditional in their personal behaviors, mostly having children after marriage and raising their own two kid, their own kids in two-parent households. Brad Wilcox, a sociologist and family expert at the University of Virginia, calls this talk left, walk right. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's you know I'm sorry to spout a cliche, but it's interesting on so many different levels. I mean, the statistics are incredibly revealing. The tragedy of it really you know affects you if you have a living soul, and the ability of people to blind themselves to facts with their ideology just it doesn't matter how long I study this stuff. It still amazes me. I mean, it's like if there was a baseball general manager somewhere who was, like, denying all of the sabermetrics. You don't have to base everything you do on it, but, I mean, that would just, that would make them, well, they'd be fired immediately. Rejecting all statistical realities, all data science, because you're uncomfortable with it. That's an uncomfortable reality about where your second baseman ought to position himself. The, the people would be utterly befuddled by that person. They'd think he's mentally ill. And yet we run our society on, I don't want to acknowledge that reality. Well, I, and unfortunately I am in a position where I can say this out loud now because I am a uh, raising kids in a divorced family, which I wish I wasn't. Um, I can say this out loud. I wish it'd become a thing where we can say in society, two-parent households are better. Whether it's from the beginning or in the middle or wherever, whenever it becomes a one-parent each family. Two-parent households are better. I wish we could say that out loud. Can you succeed without that? Of course you can. But is it uh, much easier and much more likely you'll succeed with two-parent family? Yeah, I wish everybody could say that out loud. Just like be like saying um, uh, 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 graduating high school is a really good idea. Can you succeed without graduate? Yes, sure, some people do. But the vast majority of people, it's much better to graduate high school. Wouldn't that be better for our culture if we just could settle on that? Two-parent households are better for raising kids. 
I have one more thought that I want to uh, foist upon you after a quick word from our friends at DraftKings. Football is back in full swing. Another week of epic games. I watched a great game myself yesterday. Who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Yep, that's fantastic. Nobody's missing out on the action. All DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. So get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use the code Armstrong and Getty to sign up. I guess Week 3 this coming week. New customers can bet just $5 and take home 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with the code Armstrong and Getty. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, license partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles in Louisiana 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario see sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources bonus bets expire seven days after issuance eligibility and deposit restrictions apply Armstrong and Getty hey I'm Jay Shetty and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. When you go to bed at night, do you worry about going to jail? No, I don't really. I don't even think about it. I'm built a little differently, I guess, because I have had people come up to me and say, how do you do it, sir? How do you do it? Uh, I don't even think about it. Uh, These are corrupt people that I'm dealing with. They're destroying our country. I don't even think about it. All I think about is making the country great, making America great. Trump on Meet the Press yesterday, I watched that whole interview. He is everything he was before. I had read a couple places where they feel like he lost step. I didn't see any 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 losing a step at all. I mean, if you know whether you like him or don't like him, uh, that's a different thing. But his his powers are exactly the same. I thought of Meet the Press. Uh anywho, that's enough of that. So, um, 
Is 60 Minutes back with the new episodes? This was a new segment they had last night. Yeah, it just came back yesterday. Okay, I'll have to check that yep. out because I just saw this a part of this segment and I want to play a little bit. So this is a obscure football story, unless you're into college football, that um, famous Hall of Famer Deion Sanders is now a football coach in Colorado and he's gone 3-0 and and his son is playing, but he is he was featured on, I think, 60 Minutes last year for his attitude and stuff like that. Let me play you a little of this clip. I wish I had 2% not this is not a sports thing. I wish I had two percent of his like attitude and swagger. If I, I mean, if I could get a pill that would give me that, I would love that. Here's a, a little bit of it. With another thriller for Coach Deion Sanders and the University of Colorado, Coach Prime. I like saying that. <laughs> Led the Buffaloes to their hardest fought win so far, beating Colorado State in double overtime. The team is now three and zero for the season after winning only one game all of last year. Sanders spoke with 60 Minutes last night about his role and influence on college football. Listen, I make a difference. I truly make a difference. I make folks nervous, man. I, I get folks moving in their seat. I get folks twirling their thumbs. I get them thinking and second-guessing themselves. You know, have you ever been so clean that you walked in and somebody looked down at you and they looked at themselves, they had to check themselves because you were so clean? I have that effect. That's the vibe you're getting. No, I have that effect. <laughs> I, I have never walked in a room and thought everybody's checking their own lives because mine is so so perfect and pristine in my everything i do they gotta look at themselves and think wow i don't measure up i've never felt that way <laughs> yeah it's probably worth mentioning for non-sports fans he was uh, an nfl star while he was a baseball star yeah, yeah, yeah which yeah. caused a fair amount of stress to his two employers but uh and he was he was great in both sports and worked like a fiend and just has that whole thing that a lot of really successful people do. Trump's got some of it, where you just you just don't let doubt slide in. Because what good would it do? Um, and I I don't have that at all. I'm all doubt. I'm all doubt all the time, all day long. <laughs> this is going to turn out poorly. Oh my god, I've screwed up this time. That's the way I think about everything. You ever walk into a room and then just walk out of the room? <laughs> I do. <laughs> Hoping nobody noticed you were in the room briefly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that is something. I'll have to uh, watch that on uh, the 60 Minutes last night. I didn't. I mean, most things in life, you want to ponder the this and that. But once you've made a decision or once you're going a direction, why ponder the, uh, the what, what if this doesn't turn out right? I, just, I wish I had that, but I can't. I can't. I just don't. I'm not built that way. I don't have the genetic makeup. Yeah, I suppose you did that with your career more or less, didn't you? Nah, I mean, just I mean, this is all going to be a, a be an S show dumpster fire at any moment. That's the way I that's, that's what I feel about everything. Yeah, well, yeah, I, yeah. I guess that's yeah. Gets I wonder me out what Dion would say to that. I don't think he'd even talk to a, a loser like me. Get out of my <laughs> way with your negative attitudes. It might rub off. Wow, I've I've just known a lot of people who lived their life like they would always be a success and things went badly. Uh, whereas, you know, Judy and I have always said this could blow up next week, so let's plan accordingly. That's uh, true. I suppose I suppose yeah, I suppose that's true. I've known a few people who didn't seem to have any doubts about themselves and things went to hell. <laughs> 
So I suppose yeah, see, it that's, both ways. I don't know. That's that's why I think it's interesting. We were once at a radio conference, uh, not to get too behind the scenes, but uh, another very well-known radio show was also there. And, and I commented, I can't remember what the question was. We were on a panel or something. And I said, I get nervous every night before the show. And we've done thousands and thousands and thousands of radio shows just because I really care about it being good. And the other guy said, I never give it a second thought. It'll go fine. I thought, wow, okay. Same result, more or less. If you miss an hour of the show, we do four. Get the podcast. Subscribe to Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong and Getty. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.